So today we finish our teaching on Christian liberty. I mean, isn't it amazing? It's, it's a big deal to God, this Christian liberty stuff, isn't it? It's been three chapters on Christian liberty, so it's, it's a big deal to God. And today we'll finish that up, and then next week we'll begin the study of proper worship. And uh, that is also about three chapters long. We're going to talk about the worship of God. But this Christian liberty is obviously a big deal, so I thought we'd have a little test. Can we have a test this morning? You all ready? And don't tell me you didn't study, because it's... <laughs> the test is this. What have we learned about Christian liberty? That's not a rhetorical question. That's a real one. What have we learned about Christian liberty? Beautiful. So Christian liberty is part of the bonding. It's, the, it's, the, it's a way that God has made so that we can engage in fellowship with the lost world through Christian liberty so that we can share the gospel. Good, Kevin. What else do we learn about Christian liberties? Should we go back to chapter 8? Come on, help me out here. Anything else about Christian liberty? I'll give you some help. Um, even though we have Christian liberty, sometimes we shouldn't engage in them for the reason of our other brothers and sisters. They may not be in the same place we are. They may not be built up in the Word and discipled. So even though we have a clear conscience engaging in some of our Christian liberties, it may cause our brother or sisters to fall. Very good, Ann. So it could be a stumbling block. That's chapter 8. Remember they were saying, okay, we're going to do a little review here since we're all getting a little stuck right now. So, I mean, there is, there's only some key truths that we have to remember. Is, is one of them, he said, they were writing to him and said, hey, listen, can't we go eat to this, the meat to the idols? Can't we go to the Temple Mount? And Paul says, yeah, you can do that. That is a Christian liberty. That's fine, except you have to be careful of your weaker brothers and sisters because you might be a stumbling block and lead them to fall. The second thing as we move into chapter 9 is Paul started going over his whole list. Do you remember all these liberties he had. I have the liberty to take a believing wife. I have the liberty to be paid. I have the liberty, all these liberties. says, but I have forsaken them all for the sake of the gospel. So another aspect of our Christian liberties is sometimes we say no. He said no to a lot of things in life, not because his brother or sister might stumble, but that freed him up to be more faithful to the gospel. You know, like I said, he could have had his little church and Capernaum and all that. He said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm letting go of all those things. I'm not going to take a wife. I'm not going to have children. I'm letting go of a lot of my Christian liberties for the sake of the gospel. So sometimes we have to practice two things we talked about. Self-denial, right? Sometimes we have to say no to our Christian liberties for the sake of the gospel. And then you, you have to have self-discipline in our lives. We have to have self-discipline to carry out the gospel. So that was chapter 9, and then chapter 10, what did that talk about? I love this one too about, go ahead, someone say something. Idolatry. idolatry. Who said that? Oh, thank you, brother. So idolatry, yeah, and, and here's what he says, he said, here's the, my favorite verses, therefore let anyone who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Here's the problem is, as we engage in Christian liberties, these freedoms we have, we can easily be led into idol worship. See, they start off as, you know, I, I'm enjoying 
these things that God's given us, the, the entertainment, the food, the bounty. He, he wants us to enjoy the things he's provided for us. But the problem is, is that they can very easily become idols, replacing our love for God and our lo- love for things or entertainment or so on, right? So he said, be careful. Don't be overconfident as you engage in your Christian liberties or you might fall into idolatry. And you can see these, these Corinthians, we never worship empty idols, we'll never get into drunkenness, we'll never engage in sexual immorality at the, the temple of Aphrodite. None of these things are going to happen to us. And Paul says, beware lest you fall. And then the other part of chapter 10 that Pastor Tyler taught us last week is that uh, one thing is, is a primary reason, which is what Kevin just brought up, that Christian liberties are given us for the sake of the gospel. And he says, but we have to be careful that we don't actually enter into the worship ceremonies of these false gods because these, what's behind these false gods? Demons, thank you. It's demon worship, as Pastor Tyler taught us last week. It's, we're actually entering into demon worship. We, we can eat the meat from the idols. We'll talk about that again today. But we can't engage in the services and the worship of these idols. And if you look at all the false religions of the world, Satan is behind all of them. And how do we know, what are the, one of the main ways you know that Satan's behind all the false religions of the world is as you look how they treat Jesus. Oh, he's not a god, he's, a, he's an angel. He's not a god, he's a prophet. The, the false religions will always diminish the divinity of Jesus Christ. So that's, that's how we know if we enter into worship in these places, we're actually entering into the worship of demons. So today, we'll go on. This, I'm fired up about this next section here, just tell you. You know, Tyler and I kind of have this thing where we don't know what we're going to get to preach, and so I got this. I'm sure he wanted this, too. He just walked out, but God gave me this piece of Scripture, so I'm pretty fired up about this. So if you'd open your Bibles, we're going to finish our teaching. It brings it all together for us, this thing about Christian liberty. We're in 1 Corinthians 10, uh, 23, and we actually go through 11. 1023 is where we start. So if you'd open your Bibles to that, our brother Jay will open the word for us. If you'd please stand in reverence for God's word. to go, eat whatever is set before you without raising any question on the ground of conscience. But if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it, for the sake of the one who informed you, and for the sake of conscience. I do not mean your conscience, but his. For why should my liberty be determined by someone else's conscience? If I partake with thankfulness, why am I denounced because of that for which I give thanks? So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all, for, all to the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to, to the church of God, 
just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jay. Appreciate that. Here's a question for you. Everybody know the Shorter Catechism by heart? It's all memorized? No? So Shorter Catechism, the, one of the key questions here is, what is the chief end of man? What is the chief end of man? Who can answer that one? What's that? Yes, very good. Kevin's got all the answers today. The, the, the answer to that question in the Shorter Catechism is, what is the chief end of man? The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Glorify God and enjoy Him forever. That is the, the main purpose of all of our lives, is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. I'm glad he added that second part, too, because where we actually find enjoyment in this life, and we all know this, I need some amens on this. We're never, we're never, yeah, yeah, we'll get there, though. Thank you, Rob. Rob is ready to go with an amen. I love that. But the point is, is that we will never find the joy we're looking for in the things or ways of the world. Amen. Amen. We've all tried that. We've tried to find our joy in the world, our happiness, our peace, love in the world. We try to find all these things through the world, and it continually comes back empty. But the good news is, is that if we, and that's what we're going to be talking about today, is glorifying God. If we focus our life on what God designed us to do, which is to bring Him glory, we will also find joy, peace love. So that, that's, that's what this really he's getting to here. And if I could put it this way to you, if you want to know the great question we need to ask about Christian liberties is the question of, will this bring glory to God? Is it, will this bring the most glory to God in what I'm about to do? Does that make sense? All right, let's, you ready to get into this? Okay, let's go through this. First, he starts off with this. All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. So, he, and what does he mean all things are lawful? He says he's referring to the context of these three chapters, which is Christian liberties. All these Christian liberties are lawful. You can engage in these, these things of food, entertainment, travel. You can buy things and enjoy them and, and really enjoy the abundant life that God provided. There's nothing wrong with doing that. You know, I can remember when I was in seminary, there'd be some pastors that were preaching the poverty gospel. Have you heard that before? This, this thing that we all need to be poor, we should have one suit, uh, you know, we should, we should ride our bikes and not own a car, and, and, and really, that does not align with Scripture. God in, intended us to enjoy a bountiful life in the things He provides, and Scripture's clear about that. And he's saying, these things are all lawful. God wants you to, I mean, that's why he gave us taste buds. He wants us to enjoy the variety of foods and the colors and the beauty of his creation and all the rest of it. He wants us to. And he says, but, but all these things are lawful, but they are not all helpful. They're, they're, not all, they're, not, they're not all profitable. They don't all build us up is the point he's making here. Now, I would put it this way, is that a lot of Christian liberties, let me put it to you in our culture's context. In our time, what's happened is Christian liberties have become the priority and God's become the hobby. See, so, and it's supposed to be the other way around. The, the point is, is that 
yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to watch a couple hours of TV. I'm going to get on Facebook. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And you know what? I'll squeeze in my devotions. Are you with me on this? And so it's what I'm going to eat, what I'm going to drink, what I'm going to wear, what I'm going to buy. All these things, all of our Christian liberties become the priority in America's lives and God becomes the hobby. And Paul's saying, it's just the opposite. I want you to enjoy your Christian liberties, but, but in the context that God is the foundation of your life. God is the priority in your life. God is the focus of your life. And so he's saying not everything builds up. So, I mean, here's the picture is that simple analogy, illustration. So we, we have a hard day at work. We come home, and we just want to plop down in front of the TV. Or we want to get in front of our computers and connect in Facebook and, and connect with everybody. And, get, and, what, and what happens when we do that a lot of times? Before you know it, it's time for bed. Because it, 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 you know, next, 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 next. And, and pretty soon you know the whole day goes by. So, so the whole point is there's nothing wrong with watching television. There's nothing wrong with watching some shows. There's nothing wrong with getting on Facebook. But the problem is, is it, we, it can easily take over our lives and take over all of our, our, our time that we have to commit to the Lord. So the question is, yeah, you, it's all lawful for you, but is it beneficial? Is it profitable? Will it edify? Will it build you up? And I'll come back to that a little later, but let's look at some things in the Bible that says that, are, that will build us up. And you know all these things, but let's review them anyway. I got a few, for, I got four for you here. First, it says, all scripture is God-breathed. You know the scripture is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly what? Equipped, built up for every good work. So we all know this is the most significant, the most profitable, the most building thing we can do is be in the Word of God. Amen? It's the most, th this is where we have intimacy with God. This is where we get the wisdom from God. This is where it says you will renew your mind and be transformed. Th this is where it happens, is in the Word of God. This is where we're changed. This is where we put on the spiritual warfare. This is how we learn how to resist the devil. This is where we come close to God and he comes close to us. It all happens in the word of God. It's the most profitable thing we can do. Yet the question is, do we spend as much time in the word of God as we do in our Christian liberties? I would say, no, we don't. If you looked at your total time of every day, you take a whole week on average, you will see that more time is spent on Christian liberties than spent on the time of the Word of God. So let's talk about a profitable plan here. We need a plan, right? So let, let's get up in the morning and commit some time of our life, or some of our, our, our disposable time to the Word of God. Right? Let's make that a priority. Let's, let's spend some time with God early in the morning. Then at your lunch break, determine to spend a little more time with Him. Take your lunch break, take a verse or two that you're working on, and go meditate on that. And then when you get home, before you plop down in front of the TV or your computer, you, you go spend a little time with God. Read through the Word a little bit. Pray a little bit. Just I'm not talking about becoming a legalist. I'm talking about dedicating more time to edifying activities in your life. Right? And for some of you, it's going to be five minutes. For some of you, it's going to be 30 minutes. For some of you, it might be hours. I don't know. But the whole idea is that we need to become more disciplined in the process of edifying and building our lives up. And I can assure you, then one last thing I would say, 
and then so you did your devotion at night after work, and then you had your meal, and you're watching some TV, and then right before you go to bed, you brushed your teeth, I hope, and 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 you're right before you go to bed, open the Bible up one last time, so that's the last thing on your mind before you go to sleep at night. And you know what? This sound, this may sound silly to some of you, but I'm telling you, if you practice these things, you will see that you become a different person than you are right now. When when God starts to be the foundation. And Christian liberties become an enjoyment that is involved in our lives, but it's a hobby more than a, than a lifestyle, you will see you'll begin to change and become the man and woman of God you want to become. So first thing is the Word of God. It has to be the priority of building our lives. On the, it has to be our foundation. The second one here is, but, but the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves but the one who prophesies edifies the church. The second thing that builds us up is what we're doing right now is coming to church on Sunday, coming to Bible study on Wednesday. I love what Ann said in the announcement. She needs that midweek time. I need that midweek time. I think we all need that midweek time. But it's, it's coming under, and also Sunday school today, it's coming under the preaching, the faithful preaching and teaching of God's Word will build us up, right? You know what's amazing in our time we have access to the greatest preachers in the world, dead and alive. So the thing is, is what are you listening to? What are you watching? How about squeezing in preaching and teaching into that, into your schedule? So you're going to sit down and watch some shows or whatever. You know, before we do that, let me go to YouTube. I just want to watch one sermon from my favorite pastor before I go on to my TV shows. Are you with me on this? Or maybe you're in your car. You're driving around or you're listening to music on your phone, whatever. You know what? I'm going to listen to my favorite music, but before I do, I'm going to listen to one sermon from my favorite pastor. And we recommend sermon audio as your application because that's where the Oasis is. There's great sermons on sermon audio from the Oasis, but there's also great sermons from John MacArthur and you name your pastor. They're all on there. All the good ones are. It's a good qualifier what they have as far as doctrine. But, you know, you listen to a sermon. That's the point of it is as you, as you submit. I was just listening to some sermons. I had to spend a lot of time in the car. And it, 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 I heard a sermon that blew me away, just blew me away. It's exactly what I need to hear at that time. And so, but we, if we don't give God access to us in listening to preaching and teaching and just listening to our favorite music, I mean, don't get me wrong, I love listening to music, but when I get done with it, that was nice. But guess what? I didn't get changed by it. A good sermon, sitting under the Word, reading the Word, studying the Word, memorizing the Word will change us. Okay, third is now about, we already went through this in chapter 8, it says, now about food sacrifice to idols, we know that we all possess knowledge, but knowledge puffs up while love builds up. We'll get into this a little bit more later, but his point is too that the foundation of the Christian life is love. It is the foundation because it is the greatest commandment to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love our neighbors, ourselves. It's the foundation of what drives us into the Word, what drives us into listening to sermons, what drives us in this Christian pursuit. Because uh, if I just go to the Word to have knowledge, that'll puff up. But if I go to the Word because I love God and I love you, it will build up. It'll change me from the heart level out. Does that make sense? So another thing that builds up is love, and I think a lot of us have to work on our love levels with, with God and, and others. And one thing we don't need to work on is our love for ourselves. We're pretty good at that. 
But he wouldn't have commanded us to love our neighbors ourselves if it came naturally. It doesn't come naturally to love our neighbors ourselves. It comes supernaturally through prayer and discipline. I pray, one of the prayers I pray more often is, most often is that I would love God with all my heart, mind, soul, and strength, and that I would love my neighbors myself. I pray that all the time. I want God to break me in that area and build me in my love for God and for others. And I also add in there, pray that I would love my enemies because that's also commanded. I don't pray that one quite as much. No, I do. I do. <laughs> and the fourth thing here we see, this is a big one too, brothers and sisters. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers to equip his people for what? Works of service. Your favorite statement from the church, that and tithing, you love to hear about this. Works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. And that's why I'm so grateful for everybody. I think there's more people in the balcony than down here now. But, but the point is, is that I don't know how to explain this to you except say it this way, is you can never outgive God. You can never outgive God. And so something happens to us. It's, it's a spiritual maturity that happens to us when we choose to serve God. And it doesn't have to be an evangelistic event in a tent in downtown Aurora. Billy gets blessed by handing out bulletins every Sunday, don't you? Yes, she does. But it, it's a, as you serve Lord, he blesses you. He speaks to you. He, he, he just does amazing things because you can't outgive God. He, so all of you should be somehow serving God. And he will bless you beyond belief. It's one of the ways he builds us up and changes us. Okay. So, do we got the picture here? All things are lawful for us, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. And it's this idea of changing some of our life priorities, not becoming a legalist, but making God a higher priority than our Christian liberties. Then he continues, it says, let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. He comes back to this again. It's, it's still that love issue. Let me just show you a few verses, and then I'll, we'll talk about it just for a minute or two. Uh, Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. Uh, Philippians, we all know this, do nothing out of self vacancy, but in humility count others more significant than ourselves. Each of us look not only to his own interest, but the interest of others. And second is like it, love your neighbor yourself, part of the great commandment. So here's the point is in these Christian, we're still on Christian liberties here, don't miss that. But in our Christian liberties, we should think of ways not only not to be a stumbling block to our brothers and sisters, but also how to build them up. Are you with me? I don't know about you, but a lot of brothers will invite me out for pizza and ice cream. Not too many invite me out for salads. Are you with me on this? Typically, the invitations are more about indulgence than they are about edification. Hey, come on over and watch the bear game. How about come on over and watch, let's watch a sermon together and talk about it for a little bit, and then we'll watch the bear game. Hey, why don't you invite a brother and sister out on a prayer walk around this dark, forsaken city of Aurora and have a little time of walking and praying for all these people that are right now going to burn in hell if they die today. Instead of, let's no, let's go to the mall. Let's go down to the gas station and get a coffee. Let's, are you with me? So, so the idea is help your brothers and sisters to become more faithful in their Christian life. Invite them to do things that are more edifying and building up instead of always worldly and Christian liberty. Don't, now, don't get me wrong on this. I know how some of you think. 
I'm not saying we shouldn't go out for pizza and ice cream. I'm just saying that it can't be the priority of all of our life. Let's add some godliness into it. How are we different than the world if all we do is spend our lives on Christian liberties? Add godliness into those activities. Do, hey, you know what? We're going to go out for pizza, but let's, let's take a little walk and pray for the city, and then we'll go out for pizza. Fellowship. Thanks, Cacti. So that's what he's saying here. Think about your brothers. Think about how you can build each other up. Think how you can help each other grow in their faith and add that into your Christian liberty activities. Now he is a balancing truth here. I love how he balances it out here. Because look what he says next. Because he's in the same place I feel I am. He doesn't want them to be uh, confused about this. He says, eat whatever is sold in the meat market without raising any questions on the ground of conscience. Do you see that? He said we should let liberty rule over legalism in a mature believer. So, so don't be going to the meat market. If you could picture these guys, hey, wait, wait, where, where's this meat from? Was this sacrificed to Aphrodite or was this from which, right? Well, I can't buy that meat. That's sin for me. I'm entering sin if I buy that. Are you see this? It's the, it's the anti-Christian liberty police force. He's saying don't do that. Go in the market and buy the meat that's for sale and don't worry about where it came from. And he tells us the reason for it. What's the next verse say? It says, for the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He goes, everything's from God. He created all the animals. He created all these foods and plants and vegetables and a potato and all those things. He created all things. He, he's the creator of it. Go enjoy it. Go buy the meat without asking questions. So he's... he's He's taking us off the focus of these priorities and saying, I'm not saying not to enjoy these things. I am. Do it with a clear conscience. Go buy the meat. Go enjoy the meat. The meat in itself is neutral. So then he continues. It says... Same, same concept here, brothers and sisters. If one of the unbelievers invites you to dinner and you are available to go, clear conscience, available, free, it says disposed to, eat whatever is set before you without raising any questions on the ground of conscience. Do you see that? So you're invited over to, the, to a, a friend's house, an unbeliever's house, and, you know, don't walk into this meal like, hey, wait a minute, before we can get it, is this kosher? So I want to know, is this kosher? Or has this been sacrificed to an idol? Because if it is, I, I can't partake in this. He said, don't do that. Go and enjoy the meal. Sit down and have, have a good time. And the context of it, as Tyler taught, and we see throughout this whole three chapters, is you're going there not just to go along with unbelievers, but you have an opportunity to share the gospel through connecting with them and having fellowship with them, Right? Now, I'd also say that if it was a, a believer, you know, if Ralph invites me over for dinner, Ralph's a good cook, by the way, he invites me over for dinner, I'm not going to ask him, where did this meat come from? Because in this case, it's not about the gospel. It's coming to have fellowship with Ralph, right? I'm not going to ask him if it's kosher. We're just going to enjoy a meal together. And that's what he's saying, do. Don't, don't get stuck on this, this legalism, but enjoy your Christian liberties in the right way. And then... You know, I think, of, and actually I do think of our brother Ralph in the situation. For those that don't know, I mean, he was just invited to go to the Florida Keys with a couple of his old buddies that are not saved. And these two old buddies like to do a couple things all day long. 
drink and smoke pot, right? That's what they like to do all day. But Ralph felt led. He, he didn't say, oh, I, you know, you guys are going to hell. He says, yeah, I, I, he prayed about it, and God led him to go. And he set a standard. He said, listen, I know how you guys are. I've known you my whole life. When you guys start to get drunk and high, you're going to need to drop me off at the hotel. Because right. I'm checking out at that point. But I'm going to be around because in your lucid moments, I'm going to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with you. Right. He has a clear conscience in that. He can do that. He's strong enough to go and live in that environment with these guys to share the gospel. But you see how he wasn't legalistic or judgmental? He was loving with the desire for those two, two men to be saved. And then he gets into another condition here. You're all, you're all doing all right? Okay. So it says, but if someone says to you, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it for the sake of the one, don't miss this, for the sake of the one who informed you, and for the sake of conscience. I don't mean your conscience, but his. Are you, can you picture this one going down? So you're at, you're at this party of unbelievers, and the meat, you, you don't care less about the meat being sacrificed. So you're ready to dig in. You got your A1 steak sauce out. You're good to go. And, and all of a sudden, another brother or sister from your church comes up and says, we can't eat this. This has been sacrificed to idols. If we eat this, we'll be sinning. And so what are you supposed to do? rebuke the weaker brother and sister and say, listen, you don't know, go get in your Bible. You know what you're talking about. It's fine if we eat this meat. Is that what it says to do? No, it says don't eat it for the sake of the weaker one's conscience. What's that, Billy? (laughs) Yeah. Billy says she's going to take a doggy bag. But the the point is, is that, that... Listen to this, brothers and sisters. The body of Christ takes priority over saving the lost. You stick with your brothers and sisters. If you've got a weaker brother and sister there, whether they're theologically right or wrong, you stick with them. You stick with them. And by the way, you don't tarnish... What's the matter? Oh. Okay. Thank you, Ed. Okay. We okay now? <laughs> I know this happens in my house when there's a spider around. There's, you know. So, so the uh, so the point is, what else happens is if I start getting into a debate with a brother and sister about the theology of eating or not eating meat, I lose. We all we both lose our witness to the unbelievers that we're there to talk to. Are you with me on that? So you stay united. Say, okay, yay. And even though you're going to offend the unbeliever, say, listen, we can't eat that meat. It's been sacrificed with idols. I'm sticking with my brother. I'm sticking with my sister. We're not going to do it. But you do it because God says we should do it that way for the, for the betterment of the gospel and to support our brother and sister. It's good to have Maurice back in the house. You don't know, but he's my great encourager because I get more amens out of him than anybody else. So, I mean, I, <laughs> I appreciate you, brother. Um, let me say one of, let me give you another picture here, maybe, that, because we're not too big on eating meat sacrificed to idols anymore, are we? So, let, let's say you go to a wedding. You're invited to a wedding, and you go to a wedding, and you find out they're serving alcohol. And, and you have a clear conscience about it. You, you've never been enslaved to alcohol. You're good with it. So you sit at a table, and it's a round table with 10 other couples or whatever, and, and they're having a glass of wine or a glass of champagne, and you feel led to do it. By the way, what happens a lot of times, I've been there many times, 
they're look especially because they know my background and that I'm a pastor, they're saying, let's see what he does about this glass of wine or champagne, right? This goody two-shoes, this Bible thumper. <laughs> so, so often I will, I will get a glass, and I may not drink it, but I'll get a glass, right? And so you, all see, you can almost see him go, oh, okay. Because <laughs> they're, they're almost afraid to drink around me. Are you with me on this? I'd rather bring the level down. Okay, sure, bring me, put down here, it's fine. And then, then, then there's an opening for me to talk more about Jesus Christ and the gospel with them. But the situation is, so my glass of wine's in front of me, and then a, a believer from the Oasis comes here who has a, a weaker conscience about alcohol. Maybe he's been in, he or she's been enslaved to it before and says, I can't be here. I'm, I'm overwhelmed with temptation right now. I can't be at this wedding. Everybody's drinking. Is that a glass of wine in front of you, Pastor Keith? No. So, so the point is, is at that point, we choose to support the weaker brother. Hey, listen. Sorry, guys. I'm done here. I'm going to go be with my brother and sister. We may have to leave the wedding. We may have to go to Denny's and have a meal together. We may, whatever it is, I'm going to be with my brother and sister to make sure they don't fall into sin. Does that make sense? That's more probably a more applicable, applicable uh, application for us. One last thing on this I will tell you, though, is when we have a weaker brother and sister who has a very weak conscience, part of our responsibility is to disciple them. We want them to get to where Ralph is where they're strong in all kinds of situations. And they, th- that way, by the way, that increases your accessibility for the gospel to multiple people types that we don't have in the beginning of our faith. So if I'm at that wedding with that brother or sister that I can't have alcohol, I'm going to sit down and talk to them about it. You know, don't, don't, be, don't think that they're sinning just because they are doing that and help them understand their Christian liberties. Amen? Amen. All right. We're almost home. We're doing great. So, whether we, he gets to the concluding, this is kind of this big picture. So whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church. Do you see that? By the way, do you believe there's multiple races? There's... Are we all descendants of Adam and Eve? Yes. We're all part of the what race? Human, Human race. That's a lie of the devil. There isn't multiple races. There's one race. There's many nations. There's red, yellow, black, and white. There are all many nations that was created at the Tower of Babel. But there's only one race, all descendants of Adam and Eve. Amen. you got to know. And that's why we all bleed red, by the way. That's the color that matters. It's the blood of Jesus. It's the blood of you and me that combines us and makes us one people. But let me tell you, so there's not many races. There's one race, the human race. There's many nations of people that was created at the Tower of Babel. But there's two types of people in this world, lost and saved. That's all you've got to worry about. Get rid of all your other demographics because they're meaningless. Educated, uneducated, red, yellow, black, and white, rich, poor. All those don't matter to the kingdom of God because it's all level at the foot of the cross. What matters is whether you're a believer or an unbeliever in Jesus Christ. And in this church, believe me, that's what we believe. We don't see differences in people. We see only if they're lost or saved. And every leader in this church feels that way. Amen. Are you with me? Yeah. Okay. So, so here, the point here is, so whatever we eat or drink, whatever you do to look back to that catechism question, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. He says, whatever you're doing, you want the filter. Think about how it will glorify God and what you're doing. So here it is, brothers and sisters, how we think. 
Our thoughts have to be glorifying God. Don't let those thoughts ramble on in your head that shouldn't be there. Don't be looking at women and lusting after them. Don't be looking at food and craving it. Don't be, you know what I'm saying, all these things. Keep those thoughts captive to Christ. Don't go down that path. So what we think, what we say, guard each word that comes out of your mouth. Don't, you know, I, I get full of anger like anybody else, and oh, those words want to come out. Right? Don't let them out. Glorify God. When you hold those back, give them to God, you bring glory to Him. When you keep thoughts captive to Christ, you bring glory to Him. And then what we do and don't do, don't enter into uh, sinful things, but also, I would tell you this, don't be lazy for Jesus. Back to the beginning of the sermon. Be committing more time to God. The things you do and don't do will determine who you end up being in Christ. All those things bring glory to God. Let me just go over this list of liberties too, though, just so we got this. God is glorified when we enjoy our God-given Christian liberties as we thank them for him. Thank him for them. He's glorified in that. Don't get legalistic. You got a good meal. You got a, you're buying a new shirt or whatever's going on in your life. Praise God for it. He, he's the one that provided from his bounty. And enjoy it. Don't be, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Brings him glory. God is glorified when we enjoy our God-given Christian liberties for the sake of the gospel. When, when you do it routed, when you go to unbelievers and you engage in, in activity with unbelievers, God is glorified in that. God is glorified when we enjoy our God-given freedoms for this fellowship of brothers and sisters together. Enjoy the Christian liberties together. Have a good barbecue. Enjoy a good meal. Enjoy a good baseball game or football game. There's nothing wrong with that. And the last thing I say, God is glorified when we say no to our God-given Christian liberties for the sake of our brothers and sisters. Those four things we bring glory to God in. Okay, I'm going to go through each one of these for about 10 minutes each. No, these are in your bulletin, brothers and sisters. I'm just going to give you a few more quick, quick plugs here on glorifying God. I'm not going to read these. You can look in your bulletin. I gave them to you. One of the ways we bring glory to God is when we confess and repent of our sins. We bring glory to God when we choose to live by faith instead of fear. We bring glory to God when we bear much fruit for the kingdom of God. We bring glory to God when we have an attitude of gratitude and thankfulness in all that we do and all that happens in our life, even the bad things. We bring glory to God when we suffer for Jesus Christ for the sake of the gospel. We bring glory to God when we have an active prayer life. We bring glory to God when we share the gospel with the lost. And there's many, many more. I'm just telling you, when you start living this life, this is a life of bringing glory to God. I gave them to you in your bulletin so you can look at them on your own. Okay? And lastly here, he closes with this about Christian liberties. He says, Just as I try to please everyone and everything, I do not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they might be saved. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. What are you hearing Paul's teaching? Gospel, 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 gospel. It's about Jesus. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. So let me close by getting in your kitchen here a little bit. You ready? You know, in life, I mean, I whether it's in the marketplace or in the Christian world, whatever it is, the two worlds that we have to live in here in this fallen place. But I hear a lot, a lot of people have dreams and desires and goals in their lives. 
Do you have dreams and desires and goals in your life? Doesn't everybody? Yeah, we all have dreams and desires and goals in our lives. And that could be physically, relationally, and hopefully spiritually as well. We have these things. But what do you think the number one reason is that people don't realize these dreams, desires, and goals? Specifically spiritually I'm talking about right now. What's that? Blind? <coughs> Blind to the truth? Okay. Anybody else? They have all the time in the world. What's that? They have all the time in the world. Okay, that's a good one, Anna. I like that one. They have all the time in the world. It's not a priority. Earl? They're not seeking God for their desires. Okay, they're not seeking God for their desires. They may not be godly desires. Well, let's say this. Does everybody here desire to be a spiritually mature follower of Jesus Christ? Everybody does. Are you? Kind of quiet. But here's the deal that I see over and over again, whether it's... Does anybody here know... No. Does anybody here not know how to get in shape healthy physically? Is it a lack of information? Lack of a plan. Lack of what? Okay, so it's a lack of plan and a lack of discipline, right? I mean, I know what I should eat and shouldn't eat, and I know what I have to do to stay healthy, but I don't always do it. I don't always choose to do the right thing. And I'm saying to you because our life is the accumulation of all those little choices we make day by day. That's the key to living a godly life. It's all the little choices we make every day. See, because we're all waiting for the big thing or the big, you know, time or it's always putting off, whether it's physical, relational or spiritual, it's always putting them off to later. And I'm telling you, that's what I started this thing by saying we Christian liberties is the focus of most people's life and the Christian life is something that they're entertaining in their life. So whatever you want to be will be determined by what little choices you make every single day of your life. And, it's, and I always say this, but God's, the walk with God is a crockpot life. It isn't a microwave life. You have to slowly, consistently commit your life to God. Start each morning, start each afternoon, each evening, and continue that. Just like getting in shape, that's how you get. But you, it's spiritually, you have to be doing that. And do it day for day, week for week, month for month, year for year, and you'll be surprised at what you become. But that is why people don't realize their dreams, desires, and goals is because they're not making the right daily choices. It's not complicated, is it? And by the way, that goes for your vocation as well. Everybody should be investing time into perfecting their vocation. Are you reading books about what you're doing? Are you studying? Are you working as unto the Lord? Are you trying to become better at whatever you're doing vocationally? It all comes up to the same formula of all the little choices we make. But the reality is, is most people waste most of their life in Christian liberties. And I confess, I'm not innocent. I have no idea how many hours, weeks, months, and years I've wasted in my life. But there's plenty. But I don't let that hold me back. Tomorrow's a new day. I'm going to try to make the best choices I can tomorrow for my family, my relationship with God, my vocation, my relationships. Every area of my life, I'm determined tomorrow to make it a better day than it was today. You all in? Okay, let's pray.
Father in heaven, we are grateful for your word. We thank you for these three wonderful chapters on Christian liberties. I thank you that it's changed me. I pray it's changed everybody here. I see it differently now. Thank you, Father. And we pray that we would all take these in, that we wouldn't become stumbling blocks, that we, that we would be faithful and, and not build idols in our lives, that we'd make priorities the way we should make priorities for becoming the men and women of God you want us to become. Help us not to be deceived and waste our life on Christian liberties, but to use them in the proper context that you've created them for. We love you, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.